I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? Podcast Network Asia. We are living in one of the most exciting times uh, for entrepreneurship. I think it's uh, it's always hard to build a company from scratch. It's always hard to be an entrepreneur, but I think the opportunities are so much more open now than they were 10, 20 years ago. And uh, and it's become in many ways easier to build and, and scale a business. So, um, and I think the, the golden age of, of Philippine startups and especially tech entrepreneurships is, is just starting now. So ultimately, stick with it. Remember that it's a marathon and not a sprint, that it's all about uh, taking these small actions every day that compound into something big over time. Hello and welcome to another podcast of the RJ Ledesma podcast coming to you one day early because tomorrow we celebrate the holiday of Eid al-Ahada, the Feast of the Sacrifice for our Muslim brothers and sisters. So again, to all of our brothers and sisters, uh, again, a happy al Adha. And at the same time, um, you know, this has been a quite a uh, quite an event, uh, quite a momentous week for me last week. I actually fractured my right foot, so I'm doing this from the benefit of my wheelchair here at home. And I'm very glad that I actually have the next guest coming up because he's calling in all the way from Germany. But before that, let me give you a little bit of a background of the RJ Ledesma podcast for the people listening to us for the first time. In the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they've innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. Drop me a message. We are also live on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinas TV, and now the Bounce Back Network. Now, this next gentleman who was my guest for this evening is somebody I met several hats ago, and I'm very glad he was able to take this podcast because he's doing it all the way from his home country in Germany. So, we're glad that he's here uh, remotely to join us tonight. Tonight, our guest is the co-founder and CEO of Locad. Locad is a multi-channel e-commerce logistics company in the Asia-Pacific region. His company provides the back-end infrastructure of e-commerce as a service, giving brands of any size plug-and-play access to a sophisticated supply chain. Our guest for tonight is Constantine Roberts and Cons has had a track record of building high-growth digital companies across Southeast Asia and Europe. He previously built and managed leading e-commerce companies such as uh, Zalora, the Global Fashion Group, Rocket Internet, along with logistics company Entrego. Now, the big story about Locad is that it was able to get a recent funding of 4.9 million U.S. dollars led by Sequoia Surge. This is processed close to 600, their, their, uh, their e-commerce platform, uh, which of course is local, has processed close to 600,000 items, serving more than 30 brands. With that, welcoming all the way from Germany. Thanks so much for joining us, Konstantin Roberts. Hi, Kons. How are you doing? Hi, RJ. Good evening. Thanks a lot for the kind introduction and thanks for having me on the podcast tonight. Thanks so much. And you know what? Um, what people don't know is that you just actually, I, I caught you right in time. You just arrived in Germany, right? That's right. Yeah, I just flew out of uh, Manila uh, two days ago and, uh, and I'm now uh, in, in Germany for, uh, for a couple of weeks here in my hometown of, uh, of Cologne. So visiting family. Wow. What a, what, it's so nice that you're able to travel during the pandemic. Can I just ask a couple of pandemic related questions, if you don't mind? When you flew there, did you have to did you have to be vaccinated, or when you landed, did they vaccinate you at once? Are you getting vaccinated in Cologne? 
Yeah, I mean, traveling during the pandemic is not uh, is not so much fun, right? So there's quite a bit of paperwork required of uh, testing before departure, testing after landing, and uh, providing uh, all kind of records and so on. So it's a little bit more cumbersome than usual, but uh, felt uh, felt pretty safe and uh, thankful that uh, that it all worked out well. How's life there right now in Germany in general? Has, has, have things resumed to normal over there? What, what you've seen from the airport to your house, of course. Yeah, of course. I mean, normalcy is, is not 100% there yet, but I think uh, we do see uh, hope at the end of the tunnel. Right? So the, uh, the vaccination rates here are, are quite high already. I think more than 60% now uh, of the population are vaccinated. Currently, the, the, the COVID uh, incidence rates are, are very low. So Still, still masks uh, being worn in, indoors and in uh, in stores and so on. But I think uh, life has sort of turned to uh, to a good degree of normalcy. I mean, as it has also increasingly in Manila. Uh, but I think we're generally seeing across the world now in 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 the countries where where vaccinations has picked up uh, a good degree of of, of hope and a, and a sort of new old normal. While of course still um, fighting fighting the battle in in in, in certain aspects. But uh, I'm hopeful that. Uh, Sooner or later, vaccinations will get us out of it. Wow. And having said that, thanks so much for updating us on the situation over there. Now, the big news, you guys just scored 4.9 million U.S. dollars uh, in funding for Locad. Before everything else, you know, just, I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of work, but just how does it feel right now to know that, you know, the company has just gotten that round of funding? Yeah, I think it, it makes us even more committed and even more optimistic about uh, supporting direct-to-consumer brands in their in their growth journey, right? We've ultimately built Locat as a baby of the pandemic. It was founded uh, last year and in 2020, we started um, working on the company in June. As we saw that amid the pandemic, but, but well beyond that, there's this big trend uh, across the world and, and increasingly in the Philippines and Southeast Asia of more and more brands going direct to consumer, whether that is uh, established brands that, uh, that went online already before the pandemic, but of course uh, amplified by it, as well as all the uh, SMEs and entrepreneurs out there who are building next generation brands, direct to consumer brands, often with a strong online focus, either completely digital native or omni-channel. And at the same time, we saw that the challenges that uh, that many of these brands face in, in scaling up further are often not on the product side because they have great sort of product market fit, loyal customers, but instead on the on the infrastructure side. And uh, we ultimately created Locat last year to level the playing field and to provide brands of any size, some of the largest global brands and some of the biggest retailers in the country, but also SMEs, mom and pop businesses, entrepreneurs, a plug and play infrastructure a supply chain as a service to run your business. So essentially what we do is you take care of all of your sales channels and uh, promote your products. And as soon as a customer clicks uh, buy now, our system integrates all your sales channels. Our warehouses will uh, pick and pack and fulfill your orders. Um, and we then uh, ship it out via any of the large carriers in the country and give you the local control tower to keep uh, tabs on all of this. And that's ultimately what we are very, very motivated to do. And we'll use uh, uh, the funding um, of Sequoia and other investors to further uh, invest in that and and enable more brands in their growth journey. I love that because as I I was listening to you, I said, picture perfect elevator pitch. (laughs) What I say is exactly... What you, what you want people to hear when you got three minutes to say something and everything is there. Let's, let's, let's unpack uh, what you had to say, Constantine, because it's really such a great project. I, I think what you guys are doing and what I, what, you know, in, in the show, we'd really like to unpack to help people familiarize them with the sort of like the entrepreneurial journey that you took into creating Locad. Of course, Locad is just, you know, sort of like a, another movement in your own entrepreneurial journey of learning the pain points of logistics here in Philippines and developing countries and eventually figuring out Locad over here. But let's let's take a step back, um, if you don't mind, Constantino. Now, the first thing is that uh, what people might find amazing is this one. Number one is, you know, you launched amidst a pandemic, October 2020, and you were able to get funding within the pandemic. And it's, that's not an easy feat. So I know that you were already working for a logistics company as, as a CEO prior to, I guess, Locad. But then what exact, what pain point did you find that emerged particularly in this pandemic that you wanted to solve? But something that you saw that was happening just in this pandemic that, that became some, that, that grew in importance versus other logistics plays that you had in the past? 
So ultimately, I personally came to the Philippines in, in e-commerce um, about eight years ago to help scale up the brand. And ever since, we've been working very closely with brands of all sizes in the e-commerce journey. And of course, supply chain and fulfillment networks were always a question to brands. And um, somehow we were looking at the first wave of e-commerce, which was uh, still a bit more the walled garden on one or two particular e-commerce platforms where brands essentially would choose the sales channel and then focus on that. And what we are seeing now is the second wave of e-commerce, which is the direct-to-consumer age, where more and more brands are, are built and direct-to-consumers and are selling omni-channel and are selling in a whole lot of sales platforms out there, right? You sell on the marketplaces, uh, you sell on specific category-leading platforms, like, for example, Orion Fashion, but more and more brands are building also their own, what we call brand.com, right? Their direct sales channels. I see. Whether it's on so just, just Shopify, clarify, on what, social what, media. What's in the mind? Um, it, it's sort of like what, what happened when the first wave, when you came to the Philippines, it was sort of like department stores, you know, for lack of a better word, department stores bringing all these caring brands for other people and then going on your like Zalora platforms. But nowadays, it's been democratized a bit more where even the small home-based brands or the small uh, MSMEs are actually going online and doing it omnichannel, going going top, going absolutely everywhere. That's right. Am I correct to understand that? Yes, indeed. RJ actually used the, the word democratized, which I laugh at. Something that I personally love about the whole e-commerce movement. It really democratizes the opportunity to build great brands in a short period of time. And what we've seen is that the sales channel, sort of your storefront, has become democratized, right? Shopify allows you to build great brand stores very quickly. You have the marketplaces. But where we found the democratization still to be lacking and where we found a lot of complexity was sort of in the backend infrastructure of e-commerce, right? How do you get access to warehouses to store your products, to pick and pack your products at scale? How do you find the right couriers and, and even work with multiple couriers to and deliver your products to brands fastest. And of course, platforms like Zalora, Lazada, and Shopee have built a lot of that infrastructure for their own platform. But the question is, what is actually the infrastructure for your multi-channel world out there that takes all of these sales channels together and helps you to serve them efficiently from a single backbone and helps you to get um, your goods to, to consumers faster um, and in a more more efficient way. And that's ultimately what we build Locat as one platform for all the backend of your e-commerce business so that you can take full advantage of all the sales channels out there, whether on marketplaces, whether on your own, whether on social media, and whatever comes in the future. Okay, so sort of if, if you if, if you allow me to understand correctly, the, the picture over here is that it's sort of like if you've got your Shopee's and Lazada's, they have their own warehouse. They build their own warehouses, basically, for, for what they have. But for the MSMEs, there is no sort of like one warehouse for them to, to put everything together. So you kind of create the back-end system for them to... I guess, even source a warehouse. You're like an aggregator of both warehouses and delivery for them. Is that is that how to understand it correctly? Yeah, essentially, we are your one-stop platform to essentially take care of the back-end operations of running an e-commerce business, right? So you sell across all the sales channels out there and you focus on, on, on selling your products and on marketing. And, and Locat becomes your one-stop shop for everything that needs to happen in the back-end, right? The operations part of things. And what we're seeing there is, one, you need a software that allows you to put your one pool of stock online across all the platforms, right? So that whatever inventory you have in one place is always mm -hmm. available in real time on all the sales channels out there. That's the software part of Loka. Then we have the network of warehouses that you can tap into and it's completely pay as you go. So you don't need to make long-term commitments or anything. You just pay us per item. And then we unlock a whole network of last mile delivery carriers out there so that all the way from the software that manages your orders and your inventory to the warehouses to the last mile carriers that bring your orders to the customer all in one place and it's all organized there um, and it takes the hassle away, right? So that you as an entrepreneur, as a brand can focus on uh, your customers and on growing the business and not being overwhelmed with the, with the operations part of things. Got it. So sort of like a one-stop shop for your logistics, both for appearing uh, in, in omni-channel platform. So, you know, I go, I use, uh, I can go to, I can go to Locad right now and Locad can help me say, I'm on Shopee, I'm on Lazada, I'm on whatever platform I have, and you can help that, help them out there. But at the same time, you can also help uh, these smaller players to say, okay, uh, there's a warehouse in Maritina, there's a warehouse in Pando, there's a warehouse in Paranaque where you can store your things at the same time. So I guess the easier part for you, in my estimation, was that it's easy to get in touch 
with all these different platforms because you've worked with them in your previous life with them. But uh, the devil is, in, devil is in the details in bringing together all the different warehouses that need to be there and also bring together all the different smaller players who can do the last mile delivery. Is that, is that right? I mean, that's just my assumption. Being an MSME myself, I think that would, that would be where, where the challenge lies. Is that right? Yeah, it's absolutely right. So uh, for you as a brand owner, right, what do you do? You go to look at, you connect your sales channel, so we do it for you. So you tell us, say, here's my Lazada shop, here's my Shopee shop, here's my Shopify, um, and I also have my social media, let's say. And we connect them to the local platform. Then you send us your inventory to any of our warehouses. And from there on, everything is automated. The orders are coming in, the warehouse will pick and pack, and we then ship the orders out for you through any of your preferred last mile couriers. And essentially, you're just logging into the local control tower and you see it all happening. So it's in that way, automating all the, the nitty gritty backend operations of running your business. And you can focus on, on actually growing your brand. Well, fantastic. And, and what I like about the story, really, Constantine, is it's, this is sort of something that you could have only seen, really, if you were Im- sort of like immersed in the business, right? I mean, you, you got to see all the different pain points because you've been, you've been there from both the front end and the back end. Do you mind sharing with us as well? Uh, having said that, no, your, your own journey, because uh, I know you, you came from Zalora and then to Entrego, then finally you sort of jumped, not, I don't, I, I maybe the term is not correct, but jump ship that you, you moved on to, to doing Locad. I mean, if you think about it, your other ventures, these were ventures where you were sort of, I mean, you were sort of working for other people, but Locad is your own. So, I mean, that step, whether or not, you know, if you've worked career wise and you are getting good, hopefully good salaries, you jump to becoming an entrepreneur. That wasn't, I mean, even if you thought it was a really good idea, it might have been that easy to jump into that entrepreneurial boat. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's why we love entrepreneurs. That's why we love the brands we, we work with because uh, as entrepreneurs ourselves, we, we see both the struggle and the, and the passion and the, uh, and the benefits of, of, of growing your business, right? And that's uh, ultimately the mission that, that motivated us to start Locat, helping thousands of entrepreneurs out there realize their potential, realize the potential of the brands they're building and, and supporting them with, uh, with a platform that is really there to enable others to build their businesses. And, and we fully know the journey and we feel with the journey as entrepreneurs ourselves at, at Locat. So indeed, I uh, worked for about 10 years as an executive in, in, in corporate in, in technology companies with uh, Zolora and their current companies, and then with, uh, with Entrego, which was owned by the same shareholders as, as Zalora, uh, both Global Fashion Group and Ayala Corp. So after, after 10 years of, um, of helping to uh, manage uh, companies in the e-commerce and logistics uh, sphere, it's been a huge privilege to, to then jump, uh, jump into the entrepreneurial life and, um, and, and support many fellow entrepreneurs in building their own businesses. And that's really what motivates us every day, um, yeah. helping, uh, helping entrepreneurs grow their brands. Hello there, Chinkitan here, motivational speaker, wealth coach, best-selling author, and now host of Chink Positive Podcast, a podcast that aims to help you to become wealthy and debt-free by teaching you on how to save, budget, get out of debt, and invest. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. Available on wherever you get your podcasts. See you there. But how was that jump for you? I mean, for many people, I mean that that's a I mean that that's a scary uh, shift. I mean, it's it's like a roller coaster ride jumping onto to entrepreneurship. How was that for you, making the transition from from uh, of course a high level employee to all of a sudden becoming a, an entrepreneur? Yeah, RJ. I mean, having been an entrepreneur for a long time yourself, I think you know the the journey in in, in many ways, right? Of course, it's uh, it's it's I think overall an exhilarating, very motivating journey where we really go to work every day knowing what we what we're working for and i think it's it's been especially privileged to be able to to serve so many other entrepreneurs because we really love love the enablement part of it but of course you go through all the ups and downs of of building a business right especially in 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 a time like the pandemic and in the one hand it's it's been it's been hard uh during the pandemic at the same time it also opens 
a lot of a lot of new opportunities because there's a, a shift happening. And uh, I mean, we 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 feel with all the entrepreneurs and their brands that we that we work with because we're going through through the same journey. So ultimately, it's what what kept us going through through both the good moments and the and the more challenging moments. And uh, of course, we we learn every day, and we're here to to build a build a movement and build an ecosystem. Because ultimately, that that's motivated me from the start to to be in e-commerce. Right, I think especially e-commerce in Southeast Asia has been such a force for democratizing commerce, right? Like creating better access to goods, but also allowing so many new brands, merchants, and retailers to, to flourish, while at the same time allowing very established ones to digitally transform their business. I mean, it's been such a such a great wave that has ultimately been powered by, by entrepreneurship. And I've always been inspired when I was working and managing Zalora and Entrego um, by the entrepreneurs we, we worked with and by the, by the brands we served. And, and ultimately, Locat is a, is a continuation of that. So in a way, all of you guys uh, as entrepreneurs who have built the ecosystem have inspired me to at some point make that jump myself. Well, congratulations on making that jump. It was a harrowing experience, but I'm, gl I'm glad you made it. And, you know, I often share, you know, when I give talks on entrepreneurship, you know, the Chinese have a term called Weiji, which is basically about crisis, right? The first character is crisis, but the second character, there is opportunity. That in every crisis, there is always an opportunity. Your problem existed even before the pandemic, right? Uh, so why make that particular jump during the pandemic to do it? I mean, one could argue that, you know what, you could have waited for the pandemic to finish, kept your job, and then done it. But then why was it ideal during the pandemic? Because people might, you know, might think also, counterintu I mean, counterintuitively, you're thinking it's the best time is now, but other people think that this is not the best time because investors might not be around, that, you know, we, can, we, can, we physically are not mobile enough to set up a company during this time. Why did you do it uh, particularly during this period? What, what I found very fascinating in this pandemic, which was, of course, so difficult, right, for, I mean, for all of us, and, and there was a lot, of, a lot of hardship, a lot of challenges, a lot of uncertainty, but I think it unlocked, especially in the Philippines, also such a great entrepreneurial um, uh, wave and, and resilience into it. And uh, we saw thousands of, uh, of people becoming entrepreneurs, setting up small businesses, growing them. Um, I think, RJ, it might have actually been you who at some point added me to the bounce back group on, on, on Facebook that, that has then become a, a movement in itself. Um, and there was so much entrepreneurialism there, right? Um, and, and yeah, I think it, it, it really inspired me seeing, seeing that energy. And in a way, as, as an economy and, and as business people, the only way to get out of a crisis like this is to build and is to move forward and, and look forward, right? And, and of course, the pandemic has, I mean, created challenges for, for many businesses, but it's also opened up new opportunities. I love that analogy that, that the same word implies both, um, both, both challenge and hardship and an opportunity because fundamentally that's, that's it. And I think as the business community, what we can do to, to get out of this uh, crisis is to build and to try our best to create new opportunities. And uh, as such, I mean, it's, uh, it's a cycle, right? So in the end, many businesses are, are created in moments of crisis um, and, uh, exactly. and it's also an opportunity to then rebuild. Yeah. I mean, if, if we just look at the U.S. right now, many of the big businesses like, uh, you know, things like Instagram, Groupon, Airbnb, uh, Uber, they were all created out of the, the ashes of the 2008 U.S. economic recession. I mean, that, that's really sometimes when you develop really great uh, sustainable ideas come out of desperation or an, an economy that, that, that needs uh, really propping up. But I want to go back. I, I hope you don't mind that we explore a bit more of your entrepreneurial journey because that really interests me, Constantine. Uh, as, as somebody who is a foreigner to, foreign to, foreign to the Philippines, you know, many Filipinos themselves, they look back at the Philippines and say, ah, you know, some, for some, you know, it's, it's hopeless. It's a hopeless case. I want to migrate. But you, you actually saw the opportunity amidst the crisis to put it up. How did you start off uh, with the idea? Okay, you had the idea for, let's say, Luca together with your other co-founders and, and you pushed ahead. Tell us a bit more of, of you know, how, how, it, how, you, how it started to snowball. I mean, how did you get things started off? Many people doing startups right now are wondering, okay, how do I get the developers? How did I do the minimum viable product? How did I start approaching the investors? Can you, can you bring us through that story? Because I'm sure uh, that's of interest to the people listening right now. Yeah, I think every, every journey is, is unique in its own way. Right? But at the same time, each journey has, has certain parallels. And it's, it's about taking step by step and, uh, and making these small progresses that, that over time then 
change something that is just an idea that you might have put on a, on a piece of paper to then uh, uh, looking back months later and, and and having a real business with customers and um, exactly and exactly. all right and, and it's been very similar for us in in, in that way I think. One of my mentors has once said, you always overestimate what you can do uh, in the near term, let's say in the next three months, but you underestimate what you can do in a year or two years, right? In the longer term, because it's all about making these small baby steps forward and um, uh, and, and then over time, um, it uh, it compounds. So ultimately, it was very similar for us. I mean, we saw um, that that the pandemic had, of course, like accelerated a shift that was there before, right? So e-commerce has always been growing. Uh, new brands were emerging. There was a big energy in this e-commerce ecosystem. But the pandemic had, of course, like, I mean, accelerated the journey from, from 1 to 10 um, and condensed it into a few months. A lot of, I mean, a lot of friends and, and, and acquaintances from the industry because I had somehow been a logistics guy in e-commerce, would, would reach out to me and ask, hey, now I've, I've, I've grown my, my business and I need to shift your orders a day, 100 orders a day. It's becoming challenging. How do I do this? How do I scale it up? Uh, do I really need to take on a lease? Do I need to hire people? It's, it's too difficult to do all this warehousing and shipping and all, right? Um, so as such, we, we always had, had a lot of contact to, to, to brands and SMEs and entrepreneurs in their, in their, in their phase of building online brands. And at some point, we said, okay, let's, um, let, let's see if we can help in this. And let's see if we can help in a structural way, right? Not just help, uh, help one entrepreneur and one brand, but let's see how we can actually create a platform that can create what we call the cloud supply chain. So similar to how cloud computing made it so easy to get access to servers and so on in the cloud, we wanted to bring the logistics to the cloud, right? Is there a way to just sign up with one platform, Locut, and get access to a whole network of warehouses to a whole network of last mile delivery providers, get access to a system that keeps it all together. Um, and we built that step by step. I mean, the first warehouse first and the first integration was with uh, 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 Lazada and Zalora and then came Shopee and then came Shopify and WooCommerce. So over time, you build out the platform, integrate more sales channels. We added more warehouses, we added more brands, but it all came down to first few brands uh, who, who were willing to take a chance on us. and who allowed us to, to help them out with their um, e-commerce supply chain. And then from there on, it, uh, it gained steam one step at a time. How did it, I mean, this I have with the people, how did, how did it feel for the first couple of brands? I mean, there's one point in your entrepreneurial life, of course, you're always optimistic, which is, which is our, our only option as entrepreneurs. But there are days when you feel like, literally feel like your balls are over here on your throat when you're doing an entrepreneurial venture, right? When was the day for you when you felt, oh my God, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, it, it happens to us. Was there a day like that for you when you when you had put up uh, Locad? Yeah, of course, it happens. Uh, I mean, <laughs> both the beautiful thing and the, I guess, challenging thing about entrepreneurship <laughs> is that the highs and the lows are are close together, right? And everybody who, who runs a business would, would, would feel with that, right? Like uh, sometimes on the same day, something great happens and then something super challenging happens and, and you feel like you're... Yeah, you're riding a little bit of a roller coaster, and then clearly that's uh, it's been like that for the last uh, year as well, right? So, Yanis uh, Ray and, and myself, so the co-founders, we had the benefit of of having previously uh, set up the warehouses of Zalora, so we had some experience in e-commerce warehousing, but uh, but of course it was still challenging, right? So we we took out the first side, we were there doing the first inbound and, uh, and and bringing the first products in it was a fantastic experience to see the trucks there and then being unloaded. And then going live the next day. But then, of course, you have the peak season coming and 11-11 and 12-12 became so big. And we had to ramp up stuff in the warehouses and make sure we get everything uh, uh, everything out and, and make sure that we, I mean, don't let down anyone who, who relied on us with the business. Right? We take that extremely seriously, being uh, uh, being a service provider to other businesses. We, we know that we can't let you down um, because your sales depend on us. Um, so we were there throughout the whole peak season in the warehouses every day and yeah, making making sure that we keep it all together and that uh, people get their packages um, uh, on time. And uh, I mean, it's been great. It's still a roller coaster to this day, but um, that's ultimately the the thing of, of building a business and doing this and having the privilege to serve other entrepreneurs and, and brand owners and business owners has been a huge uh, um, huge motivation. And and, and uh, you know uh, the article I read in uh, I think it was Tech in Asia over there was that you you said you you had the the germ of the idea on, in June 2020, then actually it was in October 2020 when you started the business. Is that right? Is that is my timeline correct? 
Yeah, so that day had been brewing with us for a long time, right? Because we've been in the industry, we've, we've been talking to brands, we've been helping out some brands in, in setting up their supply chain. We've invested in a few brands as, as small angels. And I mean, we've, sort of the, we've, we've been working with that, with that challenge um, that, that many brand owners and, and retailers and entrepreneurs are experiencing in their direct-to-consumer journey. We've experienced that for a while. Um, so the idea had been brewing for some time. I think it's been accelerated by the pandemic as sort of now the shift is happening. So you get the sort of now or never uh, uh, feeling, right? And, uh, and, and then, yeah, by, by June, we, um, we decided to, to go for it and set up uh, Locat. And then it took us a couple of months to get the business set up, right? To find warehouses, to sign up with couriers, to build the technology, integrate with, um, uh, with some of the sales platforms. So ultimately, we then uh, went live in, uh, in October, where we uh, inbounded and outbounded the first uh, products uh, from the warehouse in Manila. Wow. Lagi ka bang nag-OT tapos OTY? Meron ka bang mga salbahing boss at pabidang mga office mates? Nako, isa kang immortal. I'm Stanley Chi from the Underpaid Podcast. We talk about work-related topics na parang nagchichismisan lang sa pantry. It's a pro-employee podcast na relatable sa lahat ng nag-opisina, pumapasok man, petics, o work from home. Listen and subscribe to the Underpaid Podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Kita kids, mga immortal. Um, when did it feel? When was that time when you were doing the business? Like you said, October 2020, it went live. No, things got exciting. But you know, there's there's sometimes a time I often tell people when you're an entrepreneur, when you when you look back and you you, you tell yourself, oh my god, aha, it, it's going to work, or you know, it, it's actually doing. You know, it's it's a hit that inflection point where you go, oh, it's it's going to work, it's going to work. Because I mean, there's always a point when you're a bit, you're always a bit tentative. You know, even if you think it's a great idea in your head and, and you it's implemented that. You know, you, there still might be a point where where uh, it won't. You know, it 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 might belly belly up. But there was a point for you. you said, oh, there's no turning back. It's it's re- it's really going to work. What 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 is that point for you? I mean, the the beauty in in business and especially entrepreneurship is you, you never know it works and then it stops, right? Like every day it <laughs> it, it works and then there things that don't work and you need to you need to prove it every day, right? So ultimately, I think. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I mean, it, it's a proof point um, where, where you see that there's a need and, um, and, and where you see that you can actually help brands, retailers, entrepreneurs to uh, accelerate their business. I think those have been the, the key moments, right? Where we saw, okay, the, the, the challenge is real. At the same time, we can actually help some of the brands and, and retailers we work with. And we started working with, uh, with some of the large brand retailers last year because we were not yet scalably set up to work with like hundreds of brands. So we started with a few bigger mm-hmm. ones and, and then realized that we can really help them. Some of them went, went online direct to consumer for the first time. And, uh, um, and I mean, yeah, we realized that, that we, that we could be of support and help there. And then, uh, mid of this year, well, like in end of Q1, we figured, okay, now is the time, um, to open the local platform to SMEs so that we can scale our impact, right? Because fundamentally that's a big motivator to level the playing field and to make the same technology and infrastructure that is used by some of the largest brands and retailers in the country available for everyone, for the entrepreneurs, for the SMEs, for the ambitious hustlers out there building, uh, uh, building brands and, and building online businesses. As you were doing it, you said October 2020, and then right now where we are in uh, July 2021. You know, it, it was pretty, for me, I find it pretty agile that you were able actually to bring in investors already into the platform. Maybe for some, you know, there are other startups have taken such a long time for them to actually look for that first set of investors. But you guys have brought in for a seed round, 4.9 million US dollars. I know that you're an angel investor yourself, no? Uh, but of course, it's a different story when you're out there looking for money as well to invest in the business. Tell us a bit more um, for those startups, you know, coming into the game and, and they're looking. Uh, give them a couple of, uh, help them out. How, how, how did it go for you? And what advice would you also give these smaller startups which are looking for investors to start coming in and, and looking at their business? Yeah, I think my first and general advice is every business has its own timing, right? And um, it, it's not the one who finishes first that, uh, that ultimately wins, but it's about... Uh, uh, it's about being the last, uh, uh, the last one last standing. Last man standing. Um, that's fundamentally it in, in, in business. So there's sometimes the formal or the, or the sense of urgency. And of course, 
as much as as media is great because it's a source of inspiration and 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 comparison benchmark for us. But you also can can feel formal and you can feel a bit depressed that okay other people are raising money you're still working on it other people are, are are announcing big revenue numbers you're still working on it other people reach profitability which is fundamentally the most important thing in every startup journey while while you lost just lost a big customer so it's it's easy also to kind of compare too much right and i think what's what's important to realize is every business grows at their own pace and and it, it's not always the speed even though of course we are in fast moving industry and you always feel you have to move fast and in many ways it's true but fundamentally it's a marathon and it's a very long term game and again right you overestimate what you can do in a month but you underestimate what you can do in one year and certainly you underestimate what you can do in 10 years and it's all about compounding about taking these small steps every day um that make your business uh, better right like acquiring a few more customers um launching that new product and and all of that right and that fundamentally will uh will will help the business and 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 will will create greatness so ultimately i mean it's not all about speed and uh and i mean take take the inspiration you get from the media but don't don't let yourself be discouraged um if it if it takes a bit longer i mean one of our investors being being sequoia and i've been privileged to like hear from some of these great entrepreneurs and, and role models since they've invested from us and and the founder of Tokopedia had a had a session where he shared with us the the journey and actually Tokopedia which is now one of the most successful companies by far in in Southeast Asia and they've just created the merger with GoTo and are now planning an IPO at 30 40 billion dollars i mean those are numbers that are just mind blowing but it's actually taken him quite some time to get the business off the ground raise his first funding and so on right and there he stands today running one of the largest companies in in Southeast Asia and planning this big IPO so ultimately i think it, it reinforced in me the the view that it's all about um, the small steps you take every day take focus on the inputs that you can control not about the outputs and um, of course what what then gets covered in tech in asia or tech crunch is the funding announcement or something like that behind that are all these small little steps and and the highs and lows if i look at what what you you guys are doing i mean it's not like and i hope you might be saying this one it's not like you were the first one to think of this idea that obviously that you know let's create a logistics platform of a, a middleman for both this platforms and and and, and warehouses uh, i'm sure many people had that same idea but what do you think made yours stand out that investors looked at and said this is a better investment to make versus others that are doing logistics plays what what do you think was your secret sauce or the unique selling proposition that you had going for loca that others also trying to do logistics plays uh didn't have yeah i mean there there are many uh, there are many people doing great things in in logistics and logistics technology and and e-commerce and so on right so by no means uh, are we uh, are we like standing out there so much i think there are a lot of great things happening in uh, in the space i think ultimately what you also realize it's it's not so much about uh, about an idea or necessarily always the novelty of it but about can you actually add value to your customers right whether those customers are consumers or um, or businesses can you put together a solution and then put together the pieces that uh, that actually provide a value to those those customers help them out and 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 if you do then i think that's fundamentally more important than necessarily always newness or or funding or anything like that right any business fundamentally depends on giving value and then providing more value than 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 you receive in return as uh, uh as, as as your fees right and fundamentally i think if if we create value then 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 we are doing something right as, as businessmen and businesswomen and then we we have a reason for being here and ha- having said all that one um something just occurred to me right um when you look at these businesses right oftentimes these businesses like yours you serve as a middle, sort of like you're the new middleman you're the new middleman putting consolidating what wasn't there in the past when you look at many of the startups which have grown very fast you know you often say uh, they are disruptors right so it's like you you're upending a current industry or you know you're replacing an old market and value network with a new market and value network the same let's say maybe uber disrupted uh, the ride hailing disrupted the taxi you know something like airbnb disrupted hotels what exactly do you think you are you guys disrupting something uh constantine or are you guys consolidating something what do you think what do you think you are disrupting or changing game changing in the industry that wasn't there before Yeah so personally my view is always the, the story of disruption often gets looked like as if it was a zero sum game right like 
uh, okay, Uber versus the taxi drivers or Airbnb versus the hotel. But I think if you look behind um, these, these big shifts and in, in, in some of the big platforms that get created there, it's not actually so much about disruption and about taking something away from someone else. I think what you frequently see in those models is, is a, a need that was previously underserved that is now being served and that actually uh, expands the pie significantly, right? And of course, some alternatives might lose market share, but I think the power of, uh, of especially models like, like Grab, Uber, Gojek, uh, uh, Airbnb and others is that they've expanded the market. They've, uh, they've, they've been able to um, tap previously needs that have always been there, but that haven't been served very, very effectively, right? For, for example, Airbnb um, now makes it so much easier for, for so many of us to, to travel than, uh, uh, than in, a, in a world where there are only hotels. They are considering that in many places where you can stay in great Airbnbs, there are no hotels or there are not inaccessible price points or... I mean, maybe you don't want a hotel room, you're on the whole, I mean, whatever it is, right? So it's a, it's a whole new um, category that has been created. And I think we're seeing similar things in the logistics industry, right? Previously, warehousing has always focused a very much on the actual process of warehousing, not on providing a whole supply chain. And hence, it's been very difficult um, for brands as well as entrepreneurs to put all the pieces together, right? The self I think, Constantine, uh, are you there? Uh, the, the signal might have been disrupted. Uh, but just in case, I, if, if Nathan can hear me, no? The thing I want to say over here is there's a nice comment coming from Jesse James JJ. And Nathan, if you can show that right now. The comment here of Jesse James JJ says, Great to hear from Locat again via your podcast, RJ. Uh, I talked to Quant this afternoon. Wow, you got to speak to him uh, from Germany. And we saw a potential synergy for both on startups in the field of on demand fulfillment and on demand logistics. Uh, thanks so much, Jesse James, uh, JJ, for joining us for that one. Um, I think that uh, Constantine is trying to come back. And again, uh, we'd like to thank all those who are listening to us here right now. Interestingly enough, in our, uh, thanks so much. Uh, Con, are you, is your signal good now? It, it disappeared. Yes, just I think it just came back, right? <laughs> oh, it's perfect. It's, it's not even better now than earlier. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you were saying like, it, you it left us off by saying, you know, now it's, it gets actually more expansive. You're actually... Sort of like you're actually growing the market and then reducing it, and it creates newer business. I mean, for me, it creates newer business models that weren't present in the past. That's right, yeah. I mean, I think uh, a key topic is like the whole topic of supply chain management, access to warehousing, access to the technology that makes it all run smoothly has been something that um, that has been fairly inaccessible, right? Um, and that you got maybe as a large company uh, with a lot of investment, but not much as, a, um, as an SME or, uh, uh, or as, a, as, a, as a growing brand. So we've, we've, we're, we're looking to make it a lot more accessible and, and, and as such um, grow the total demand for, for third-party warehousing. We, we drive volume to the last mile carriers we work with and we democratize the technology part of it, the order inventory management systems that have been there, but mainly for enterprises uh, that have mm-hmm. been very expensive and that are now available for everyone. And it's all combined in one platform, right? It's the software combined with the access to a whole network of warehouses, combined with uh, uh, with access to a, a whole range of last mile carriers. So I think it's more expanding the market and making a professional supply chain more accessible, especially for SMEs and mid-market brands than it has been uh, previously. So in other words, when we look at the, the disruption, not necessarily as a negative thing, but actually something that can actually expand the market or, or, or it's, a, it's a market driver. Disruption can be a market driver, which people don't realize as well. Unfortunately, if you are at the if you are on the tail end of the market driving market driving part, that's where you become obsolete. I guess that. Do you think will will anything be left obsolete with the introduction of of uh, the local technology? Yeah, I think as I mentioned, right. I think the disruption of one versus the other tends to be overplayed, and it's more a matter of expanding the market and uh, uh, and creating new solutions, and uh, and ultimately of are we delivering value to, to the brands we serve, to the entrepreneurs we serve, um, to our clients every day? And that's fundamentally something that every business has to ask themselves, right? And then I think those that, uh, that end up struggling frequently, it's then blamed on the macro factors, right? Like X has been disrupted by Y, but I don't think that's, that's necessarily always the case, right? I think it's, uh, it's often more a matter of, uh, of a particular business that is just not, uh, not necessarily uh, serve their customers so much and that then sort of gets, gets attributed to macro level disruption, but it might not, might not actually always be, um, uh, uh, be the case. Um, if you look at the, the cases a bit more, 
uh, a bit more deeply, right? So thanks for that. that that's very for me. I find it to be a very enlightening perspective. And you know what? Um, you know we're we're coming to the end of this podcast, but there, there's I have two more interesting questions for you, Constantine, if you don't mind me asking. And the first one is this one: that you came to the Philippines. You know, you you have the same journey as as many European MBAs have come to the Philippines as a result of. Uh, of Rocket, right? So Rocket came to Southeast Asia, developed a lot of similar business models that they found were successful. Other countries brought it, brought it into Southeast Asia, brought it to the Philippines. And, you know, and, and I think you've been in the Philippines long enough that sometimes, you know, that the mentality of many Filipinos is that, you know, they go, ah, there's, there is no hope here. I have to migrate. I have to, I have to go abroad and find the opportunities there. But you're, you're a, you were a German national who came to the Philippines and saw many opportunities. I mean, you wouldn't have been here eight years, right? And you wouldn't have found, I guess, if you don't mind me saying, the love of your life in the Philippines if it wasn't something that, that you found opportunity in. What do you think we are missing out? What, what are we not seeing sometimes as Filipinos that you've seen as a great opportunity in the country in, in general, not just in, I guess, in your industry per se, but in general, what are you seeing about macro about the Philippines? And I guess even micro about the Philippines, that, that is a great opportunity for the country. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm personally, um, I'm, I'm very thankful that Philippines is, has become my first home uh, over time and, uh, and that I've been, been welcomed to the Philippines and allowed it to I mean, was allowed to, to call it my home. Um, so very much, uh, in, indeed, Philippines has been um, uh, has been in many ways uh, uh, my the love of my life, my calling. Right. So my wife is, of course, um, uh, they're with me. But but also the the country has been has been very very welcoming to me. And what what ultimately got got me so excited. And I was never meant to to stay in the Philippines. I was coming here for six months to help um, uh, scale up Zalora. And after six months, I was supposed to move on and then stayed with Zalora for six years and, and in the Philippines for, for 10 and counting. And what has always uh, yeah, sort of got me hooked um, has been the energy. And uh, I mean, to me, there's really a mindset of opportunity and of, of, of forward-looking uh, optimism and, and energy in, in the Philippines that I think is, is one of the great strengths that, uh, uh, that we have as a country. And it's, it, it, it's sometimes called like the, the Philippine resilience or so. And I think all these things are true. But at the same time, there is, uh, there's the firm belief that tomorrow will be better than today and that we have to maybe overcome a hardship or a challenge today, but, um, but that, uh, that the future is brighter. And I think, uh, I mean, fundamentally, very, very strongly believe that the Philippines has a bright future. I think the, the whole region in Southeast Asia has, uh, has, has great decades ahead. And I think, I mean, you're saying, of course, uh, a lot of, um, of Filipinos find, uh, find opportunity abroad. And of course, there is a lot of opportunity as well. But at the same time, you see uh, a lot of hope coming afterwards, right? Um, so some of Philippines is, 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 uh, is a country that, that sort of keeps you within its spell, right? And we see, um, um, we see a lot of, of, of W's, for example, who migrate um, for a couple of years, build savings, and then come home and, and invest those savings back home and, and build many SMEs and, and, and so on, right? So I think there is, of course, outward migration because there is a lot of opportunity in the world. And, and, and with our, I guess, outward-looking mentality and English-speaking uh, skills and all of that, that, that opportunity can be very attractive and, and by all means has helped also the, the domestic economy of the Philippines, right? But at the same time, I think we do, we do see a lot of homecoming as well and, and, and investment flowing back in. And uh, the pandemic has, has partially shown that, right? If we look at it from a macroeconomic perspective, um, there have been a lot of uh, foreign investment outflows to the Philippines, both from the stock market and from, uh, uh, from business investments. But at the same time, there's been a lot of domestic investments, both from, from local residents and from OFWs, going into the stock market, going into businesses, and I think that's uh, that's part of what what makes uh, the economy and and the peso uh, very resilient. That there's this constant flow of yes, there's talent and money flowing out, but there's always also always talent and, and money flowing back in um, and then propping up the market back home and, and chasing those opportunities that are there. Still thinking of what career is best for you? My name is Pat Soyo. Check out my podcast where we answer questions and debunk job descriptions by interviewing professionals so we can put an end to our career search. This is Job Defined. Available on wherever you listen to your podcast. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. I'm glad that, that the Philippines has enchanted you, like it's enchanted many uh, Rocket alumni to stay behind. And we've had several of them here on the show. 
and having said that, 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 that makes me feel, you know, that, that helps, you know, that helps create a better narrative, I guess, for many of us to understand what makes it worth staying in the Philippines and investing in the country and seeing in the, the rich pool uh, of resources that we have in the country here right now of returning OFWs reinvesting in the country. But here's one more question I have for you in terms of uh, opportunity. Uh, you've been working in the, in the logistics platform for LOCAD. And, um, you know, I often ask people here on the show, what are the other business opportunities that you see are emerging right now? And I guess in your particular field or maybe in related fields that if you had the time, you would actually be doing it as well. Because I know it's great what you're doing. I understand. I, I love it because I'm, I'm doing something similar with a, with a Mercato app where I am the, I'm sort of like the middleman. You know, I take care of the payment. I take care of the logistics the delivery for for the MSMEs of the food industry, not not the restaurants, but rather even the small home homemaker uh, homemakers, home kitchens, and sort of like I understand what you guys are doing with with Locad, just using a different industry. But there are so many other businesses that I want to get into if I had the time and and the, and the effort because I understand how the industry is working. What are those opportunities that you're seeing as well uh, because of Locad that, that's happening in the logistics play in in, in the in the multi platform play? What what do you see as emerging that if you had time you'd actually do it? Yeah. Um, I guess my views, of course, a bit biased or, or shaped by having been in the e-commerce industry that has created such a um, such a massive wave of growth and transformation. So definitely an opportunity that I that I see and that I would love to get into if I had the time is uh, uh, is the whole wave of new brands that are being created. I really believe in this wave of direct to consumer brands and how it's um, gonna uh, shape consumption both in the Philippines and in the region. And many brands that are born today in the Philippines might have expanding in the region. And what is what is great about many of these brands is that they have a really deep connection to consumers, right? Because it's selling direct to consumer, it's talking to your customers on Facebook and Instagram and so on. So I think they're fantastic brands that are being created. And a lot of them are doing very, very well, both at the top end of the market as well as uh, in, in, in really the, the early SME entrepreneurship space. The, the, ma- um, the mass market, I guess. Is that right? The mass market? The mass market. In the mass market everywhere. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, I also think that there's a lot of opportunity in, uh, in e-commerce um, coming more to the regions um, and to the so-called uh, second or third tier cities, uh, provincial centers. I think there's a lot happening um, I mean, we have this merchant culture, right? We have more than a million Sari Sari stores that have built this local distribution of essentials. I think through e-commerce, um, a lot of the, the entrepreneurs will be able to capture a bigger market beyond their, their barangay or their street and, uh, uh, and, and sell certain products to, uh, to a bigger customer group out there. Uh, a lot of it is happening also on, on the side of social commerce. So I think that's very exciting. So that's a bit the the the, the world of uh, of goods being traded that I personally um, uh, love in, in the space of e-commerce because we're seeing a lot of adjacent opportunities in payments and fintech. I like how a lot of services are being democratized. Uh, for example, now in, in in investments with with all the localized versions of of Robinhood, right? Of the of the stock trading apps, uh, democratizing that part, which is great, right? Investment is a is a force for for building. Uh, uh, for building wealth over time. So I think in, in, in banking and in fintech, there are a lot of opportunities. In logistics, there continues to be because of the growth of e-commerce and e-commerce itself. But yeah, one of the opportunities that I, that I find very compelling is, uh, is the chance to build direct-to-consumer brands um, in, in so many uh, uh, spaces. Well, I, I want to go into, I, I hope you don't mind, I, I, I was a brand manager in my previous life of fast-moving consumer goods. And you know what I find interesting is that you're saying that a lot of these brands that are built purely online to sell are, are doing pretty well. What are these particular brands that are doing well? Uh, what, what categories are they in? Are, are, they, are they mostly uh, beauty products? Are they, you know, are, are they mostly food? Help us better understand because for me, I, I mean, that's, that's a re- very interesting opportunity, I, I would think. Yeah, and, uh, and it happens in, in almost all categories, which is, uh, which is so fascinating, right? So that entrepreneurs really have the chance to, to look at whatever area they have a particular expertise or passion for and, and build brands uh, in it. So we have the privilege to see many of them in, uh, uh, in Lookout being the sort of back-end service provider. But you also see it on, on the platforms, right? like Lazada, Zalora, Shopee. Many of the, I mean, the majority of the, of the gross merchandise value, the majority of the sales on marketplaces are not generated by the largest brands on Lazmall or so, um, but actually by the, by the mid to long tail of, uh, uh, of merchants, right? And that is either trading, reselling, or it's increasingly building, uh, building actual brands. And in Lookout, we've seen great brands 
uh, emerge in uh, in beauty, definitely uh, beauty and personal care. Uh, some brands that that I really like. One of them that, that we work with very closely is uh, is KMJ Cosmetics that uh, uh, that emerged from Davao, and, and we just helped them localize the distribution. So that's in fashion. There are uh, uh, food supplements and, and healthy food items uh, and, and packaged goods that are great, right? I mean, you have, you having been a brand manager in FMCG, I think what, what I love about the wave in, in food is that it's often in packaged food now creating healthier snacks and all of that um, oh. that are then uh, moving direct to consumer, healthy chips and all of that. You see it in uh, in fashion, of course, and in accessories, especially with the way that, uh, that fashion, fashion has also changed a bit during the pandemic. We're seeing it in home accessories. I think there was a whole wave of beautifying your home and, and making your environment great there. And a lot of uh, uh, a lot of brands and retailers have flourished there. But it, it's really all-encompassing. I think it's happening in, in many sectors at the same time. One more, one more interesting thing about you were talking about second and third tier cities where you can develop last mile logistics. Maybe you can just give us a better idea. Uh, where are you seeing that there is an increasing demand in certain second and third tier cities where there aren't enough last mile? Uh, I'm guessing these are in the Visayas and Mindanao, more of the farther flung provinces from Manila. But can you help give us a better idea? What are these areas which, which could still use uh, more last mile services because they're growing in popularity in terms of ordering from these uh, online platforms? Yeah, definitely. Last mile logistics is, is important to provide the rails of e-commerce, right? And um, now my personal journey with, with last mile logistics uh, has been in, in, in my previous life working with uh, um, with Entrego, but also working with a lot of the uh, last mile carriers today that we have integrated with as part of Locat's platform. So I think in last mile, there are now um, a number of players in the market who are doing a great job in, in bringing um, all these goods that, that consumers are ordering to their homes. Um, so I think uh, with the number of players now, uh, leading players there in the market, um, the last mile is actually is actually getting getting surfed increasingly well. Where we see a big opportunity in Lokat mm-hmm. um, is to localize warehousing. So one of the challenges we're still seeing at the moment is the large majority of goods are emerging out of Metro Manila. Um, so are warehoused and then picked and packed in Manila and then are shipped halfway across the country, let's say to, to Davao. It takes a long time. I mean, it takes today, especially during the pandemic, seven, eight days to reach those products and have to travel thousands of kilometers. And that uh, makes the, the delivery time slow and that makes the shipping cost fairly expensive. So mm-hmm. one of the big opportunities we're seeing now and, and that we're looking to enable with Locat is to allow brands to store their products closer to customers. So rather than only having your products in one place and shipping them from there halfway across country, um, taking your fast-moving products and, and putting them in warehouses in Metro Manila, in Cebu, in Davao, in the north of Luzon, so that you can uh, fulfill locally and thereby uh, have a shorter last mile, right? which, uh, which make, makes it faster and cheaper. So that's where we see uh, a lot of movement happening for, for the next... Uh, uh, so time to build So time to build warehouses now, Constantine. The opportunity now is to build warehouses in second and third tier cities, I guess. Yeah, I think generally warehouses are, are, are doing fairly well. So uh, that, uh, that for sure is interesting. <laughs> so watch out for Double Dragon stock right now to see us <laughs> as they're converting into warehouses. Really, really great discussion we're having over here. And, and for me, you know, the, the things why I was asking more and more questions because I was putting on my entre- entrepreneurial hat figure it also... Uh, opportunities uh, reflecting your opportunities against my own, and it looks like there's there's so much to really see and so much to grow. That you know, amidst this pandemic, there's a lot of opportunities uh, for many different industries. Again, Constantine, thanks so much for joining me all the way from Germany. I, I know that you're there for personal reasons, and it's going to be a great when you come back home. You got your own pasalubong now coming back home from Germany uh, to the Philippines. Um, any last piece of advice for all the entrepreneurs uh, listening to us here right now? who, in a way, would like a bit of a piece of the pie. They, they want to be uh, successful or they, they're looking forward to doing something like you guys are doing. What should they keep in mind after your, your, your journey from employee to putting up your company to getting investors? What would you like to share with them? Yeah, I think uh, we are living in one of the most exciting times uh, for entrepreneurship. I think it's, uh, it's always hard to build a company from scratch. It's always hard to be an entrepreneur. But I think the opportunities are so much more open now than they were 10, 20 years ago. And uh, and it's become in many ways easier to build and, and scale a business. So, um, And I think the, the golden age of, of Philippine startups and especially tech entrepreneurships is, is just starting now. So ultimately, stick with it. Remember that it's a marathon and not a sprint. 
that it's all about uh, taking these small actions every day that compound into something big over time. No, no greatness has been built in a day or two, right? It always takes time. It takes uh, uh, persistence, but uh, ultimately it's, it's likely to pay off if you keep uh, focusing on, on, on the small inputs and, and taking one step at a time. Um, and that's what we're all doing, right? And at the same time, we learn along the way and we have our failures. But uh, if we're still standing or standing up, then, uh, um, then, then we're still in the game. So I think uh, as such, let's, uh, let's all work together and let's create a great uh, Philippine uh, entrepreneurial ecosystem and uh, an increasingly a vibrant uh, uh, tech ecosystem in Manila as well. Well, thanks, Constantine, for helping develop uh, the Philippine logistics ecosystem one package at a time. We are very, very appreciative of your efforts. And again, thanks for being here on the show all the way from Germany. Again, thanks so much. This has been the RJ Ladesa podcast. We will see you next week for our podcast with Ding Dong Dantes of Ding Dong. Again, thanks so much. Have a great week ahead. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.